0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp Podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at RivervalleyRanch.com. Enjoy. What a powerful illustration. I want to be kind of clear for just a second, if you just experience that. Um, the act of doing something like that is is symbolic. So I don't want you to get me under the misconception that, you know, if you came up because we told you to and you put a rock in and took a key that now you're a follower of Jesus. But for some of you, you might've actually been, that was what was on your heart. And that moment, the dots connected and you chose to give everything to Christ and to follow him and to be free. And if that's the case, then that was your moment. Some of you also, I was in the back of the room observing and um, I noticed some of you chose to keep your rock. And I, I don't want you to feel bad about that. I was actually re- pretty proud of you as far as your honesty. You weighed, the dots connected for you too, you weighed the circumstances and what you're holding on to and felt like for some reason, I'm not ready to give that up yet. And that's what we're here to discuss and talk about. And, because it is a... It's not a flippant decision to give Jesus everything. But when you do, that's what he expects. That's what he wants to move forward in. Um, When I was a teenager, many, many years ago, uh, the first thing I ever did in the church world um, was work with two-year-olds. And uh, my sister was a two-year-old. I was 13. I wanted something to do on Sunday night besides the service. Um, so we didn't have youth on Sunday nights. So it was on Wednesday. I was like, hey, I'd like to work in Tasha's class, my sister, right? And so they, they put me in there and quickly saw that I favored her over the other kids and moved me to a different two-year-old class, which is fine. I'm not bitter. Um, there were three two-year-old classes of 22-year-olds. So you can tell that I grew up in a kind of large church, or a completely unbalanced church, if it was a small church. (laughs) That'd be horrible. You're like, 62-year-olds, 80 members. Anyway, so, no. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, so, yeah. So, I'm working in a two-year-old's class. I did that through the beginning of college, from 13, like through the beginning of college. It predated when I came to Christ at 15, and kind of went on through, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the two-year-olds. I loved the fact that they're like, oh, you're a teenage boy. Uh, We're going to let the women change diapers. I loved that. I wasn't like, oh, that's not fair and sexist. No, I was like, absolutely, I totally agree. I never want to do that. Of course, I do now, but with my kids. But it was so much fun. And I remember we would do the story time, and any rowdy boys that like to climb on people and attack, you know, they would put they would move them over to our class because a lot of the women were like, "You need to sit still and we need to eat. talk about the Bible anyways, and I was like, "Let's go, boys, you know like we're uh, just like in a dog pile there and everything, all the things you train your workers not to do now and um I just love that, and in craft time, we would sit around and help the kids with their little th- little thing and be like, "No, you don't hold a crayon like this or like this, you know, let's put it like this, and then they're like, "Oh, you know the two year olds are just It's a cool age. Um, But all two-year-olds aren't uh, completely developing at the same speed. Is that a nice way to say? Anyways, so we had this one kid, Tommy. He's one of the glue eaters. And this is like back before before we would use Elmer's glue, like in the tube. Not the tube. What is it called? Is it a tube? I got what? I have a bug on my pants. That is a wasp, my friends. I don't know where he is, but he's not happy. He's over there. He's over there. Is he still alive? Yeah, no, still over there. On the stage? stage. stage? Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All my shirts tell the same story. Oh, my goodness. He, ne- he didn't come from God. That's Satan's beast right there. I'm just kidding. No. God created him. The curse distorted him. I... <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. The animal lovers out there are like, that was one of God's creatures. <sighs> so was Satan. Anyways. um, <laughs> It's true. Created being. Kind of stupid. Not stupid that he was created, but it's kind of stupid now. Following the wrong guy. Um, so, Anyways. We had paste, i like trying to get back on track from the wasp. Thank you for that. Because that was less distracting than me going, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Mm! <sighs> so I'm glad that happened. I don't know what it is about me that's so attractive to wasps, but I want to stop it. Uh, so we had the paste that was in the can that you like unscrewed and then it had like a dipping stick and everything, that's what we used with two-year-olds. And a lot of times we would slather it on there, right? And we have to keep it from them so they don't eat it. And then like you would like open a thing of glitter and they hadn't, this is how old I am. They hadn't invented the glitter that's like a spike, like in the spice rack, like where you can just, you know, with the little holes where just a little bit comes out. No, when you unscrewed the jar, it was just wide open. All right? Um, so there's a kid named Tommy who you always remember the kids that are memorable. So Tommy was a glue eater and he would just like, if you weren't looking, he'd be like, and you're like, no, Tommy. And you're trying to wipe off his tongue, you know, but you've got like a paper towel and pieces of it are now stuck to his tongue. And you're like, his parents come, you're like, here's his craft. You know, like uh, it's him. So like, that's my job. They're like, don't let Tommy eat any glue. So I'm watching The glue, and I'm going around to each kid with the glue, making sure I don't ever give it to them. And I'm doing this, and uh, the glitter is not being watched, and the lid's off. I set it down because they just told me, as a 15 year old, to watch the glue. And all of a sudden, I look over to get the glitter, and the jar that was like pretty full has a significant portion missing. And I look around the table, no glitter. And glitter is evil. And you know it. Glitter is unrecognizable to a vacuum cleaner. It will pick it up and be like, does not compute and drop it somewhere else. Like you can never get it out of your house if it's there. If it's on your face and somebody tells you about it, just say, "Um, it's nothing I can do. because you will chase that around your face. Did I get it? No, it's down here now. Did I get it? No, it's over here now. Did I get it? It's horrible, all right? The first, the second church I ever worked in, the pastor said, you can get fired for gossip or bringing glitter into the church. <laughs> like he was dead serious about it. He hates it. I've, I've often thought now that I'm not underneath him anymore, that I want to send him like a really cool confetti style birthday card. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, because I care about him, and I remember the rule, and he's friends with my current pastor, so he might be like, fire him. Anyway, so I look around. If glitter had spilt glitter, there's a piece of glitter right there <laughs> on the floor from probably before Satan's dandruff, yes, <laughs> from before I ever came to RVR. My mother-in-law accepted Christ here in 1965. She may have dropped that. All right, so that's true, all right? So anyways, I look around for it and I'm like, there's no, gl- what happened? Maybe I'm mistaken. Then I look at Tommy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no. With the amount of glue that could possibly be in his system from Sunday morning when I wasn't there with my watchful eyes and this glitter, that boy's gonna poop an ornament. <laughs> I've got to keep him from swallowing the glitter. So I'm like, Tommy, Tommy, hold on, buddy. Or everybody stay still. Like at this point, I'm not even watching the glue. Nothing happens with the glue. If you get sidetracked, you're like, ooh, what's happening with the glue? Nothing, because the other kids are normal. Anyways, so I get over to Tommy and I'm like, I get like a little styrofoam bowl that we had little things in you could glue to your paper. I'm like, hey, hey, just spit the glitter in here, buddy. Spit the glitter in here. Don't swallow the glitter. Don't, Tommy, don't swallow the glitter. And he's just like, I'm like, okay. So I hold it underneath him and just give him a little pat on the back. And he goes. (laughs) (laughs) It was like an eight-year-old girl's birthday party dream. Like it's all in the air. And now I'm like, oh, we're gonna have to get this out of people's eyes and everything. Tommy was an interesting kid. We had this, where. Is it? Okay. We had this uh, ball that they used to sell that people would go door to door and sell. Well, not door to door, but they would have these Tupperware parties. And this is like a, like a vintage Tupperware ball, otherwise known as the finger guillotine. <laughs> Anyways, because to get them out and the edges are kind of sharp, the kid would have to be able to first pull on this little handle. We've got a picture of it up there too. And then it would go like that, right? So Tommy loved this thing and hated it. So he would break it up to me and be like, hmm. So I would open it up and I'd pour all these on the ground and everything. I'd be like, all right. And he would take like the star and find like the oval. <laughs> and he'd be like, <laughs> ah! Tell me, okay, all right, all right, let me see it, buddy. Let me see it. Star. Star. Here you go. You try it. And here we go. Uh, 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 and then he started crying again. I'm like, oh, okay. Here, let me see it. Let me see it, buddy. Here, here. And he has like eight or 10 pieces on the floor. He's got it too. So I'm like, here we go. Can you hit it? And he would be like. Uh, uh, uh. And I'm like kid other kids I could give it to and you would think they're a prodigy they'd be like drop 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 like yes yes you're a genius kid you found the triangle you're amazing I don't even know what some of these shapes are what is the plus sign shape it's a cross all right I don't know plus sign red cross but it's on the blue like plus just a plus sign i didn't know if it had like a symmetrical name of something like a like rhombus but not rhombus but huh we're just here in plus sign all right they're like move on people no more math today all right so it always concerned me i don't know what tommy's made of himself i don't keep i didn't keep up with him i'm I hope he doesn't work at a nuclear plant. That's just my my main thing. Like, please, please, please. He's a normal kid. He just really rambunctious and everything. And he likes to eat crafting things. Carl and him would get along great. (laughs) So he'd be like, I'm going to make body armor with a box. He'd be like, where's the box? And Tommy would be like, so this is a lot like us. So Prior to coming to Jesus, there are a lot of kind of holes in our life that we're trying to fill in different ways. And different sins will satisfy for a little while. And it almost feels like, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm going to find my identity. And I'm going to go through my life and kind of pace it on my own. This transformation we're talking about that the Holy Spirit does in us, literally redoes the shapes in our life, renews our mind, gives us the mind of Christ so that when, I'll take the cross plus. The cross is my plus one. I'm in. Anyway, so I don't know if that's good or or lame. All right, so the spirit then redoes our shapes and we at times will try to take things like we'll do, we'll do the right thing like that God's calling us to do and everything just makes sense and everything clicks along. But there are other times, watch my fingers here. <laughs> there are other times where we take something from our old life, something that doesn't fit anymore and we try to Tommy that thing into the wrong shape. There's always hurt, there's always pain, there's always damage, there's fear, there's regret. There's shame, there's guilt, all of that because we're trying to put something that God has canceled out, that he's given us power over because he defeated sin and he defeated death. And we're trying to act like it still fits in our life. And that's not who we are anymore. Like we're using rectangles because our life used to be a coffin because we were dead in our sins. But he's made us alive. And that rectangle just doesn't fit with the heart that he's given us now. When he's taken it from a heart of stone and made a heart of flesh. Kicked my water bottle over. Some of you probably got distracted by that. Uh, that's, <laughs> like I should drink some of that now. Now we'll I just roll it over there. Anyways, that's... How I see that, and this, I actually had to find this at a thrift store. I was like, what is, where's that thing that I had as a kid that hurt my fingers? I'd come to my mom sometimes and be like, because ah. I remembered Tommy and this toy. I'd be like, you could get it. You could literally get it, get it stuck on there. But we as Christians, God has made us new. He's, he's taken those things away from us. And it's not that a Christian can't sin but it's not who we are. It doesn't fit. And I'm not here to say do better, be better, try harder, but if you allow surrender to take hold in your life, it's I'm not doing these things anymore. I'm surrendering from that and giving authority to Christ. And so the spirit can work through me to do what he wants to accomplish in me. In Galatians chapter five, and we're not gonna put up the verse real quick because I wanna actually read one before we get to the part that I'm getting to because I'm gonna start a little bit later in the passage. But the very first verse says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If you've been in the oxbow at all, over there, you'll see there's a walking into it up the little ramp. There's, a, there's like a yoke hanging there, right? That you would put over two oxen. And he's saying, don't put the yoke around where you're being driven by the desires of the flesh over and over again. But Jesus said, if you come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is. Is easy and light. And so that is, and I'm thinking, why we just exchange a yoke for another? How is this? How is this easier? Well, because Jesus is the one plowing beside you. He's the one leading you in the right direction. He's the one who is the strong one of the two. And he's he's helping us to grow and to cultivate the things that he wants for the ultimate harvest of seeing more people come to him. And so we're gonna start in verse 13. Not that the 2 through 12 is not important. It's actually really cool. So go back and check it out. Galatians 5 is very rich. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. It acknowledges that that choice is still there that they had in the garden. I can indulge my fleshly desires or I can use my freedom to go out and help other people and to love other people. I get to choose. Now, one of them is how I'm designed now and how my shapes are and how he's transforming my heart. And the other one goes against who he's created me to be and who he's rescued me to be. And things will go a lot smoother when I'm living in the way that he's created me. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul's saying this when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul is summarizing it just a little bit more than that, and just saying, if you just would put others before yourself, things would just click into place. That is loving God, and it's loving as God. See, because God's not loving, God is love. There's a difference between having having an attribute and being that attribute. That's crazy to wrap our mind around. It's not just one aspect of who he is. So everything he does has love involved in it. Everything he does also takes justice into account. He's not like, I'm so loving that I can never punish sin. His justice demands it. His love says, I'll make a way because sin is there. Because of that, it just revolutionizes who we are. Then it says this, if you bite and devour each other, this is symbolic, all right? Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. We can show people love, or scripture says what we're doing is like zombie stuff. Like we're, we're, we're out to hurt each other instead of out to help each other. We're out to judge each other instead of love each other. And when I say judge, that's a loaded word. I get that some people are like, oh, you can never keep me accountable. That is not at all what scripture talks about in Matthew 7 when he says, judge not or you'll be judged. He goes on to say, whatever measure you judge, it'll be judged to you. Don't take the splinter out of your brother's eye if there's a plank sticking out of yours. First, he says, you hypocrite, first remove the plank from your eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The intentionality is to help your brother with his sin or your sister with her sin, but not if you're doing the same stupid things, right? (laughs) So that's what he's talking about. The motivation behind it should be love and not like, ah, look what he's doing. Oh, look how much better I am because hmm, I'm not doing this or that. It's always got to be motivated by speaking the truth in love. So I say, and he's going to tell us how to do that. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, Paul's not giving us a recipe to be sinless, but he is telling us how to sin less If we walk in the spirit, if we are following God's leading and we're in his word, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The two are not mutually exclusive. One thing that I have had a lot of people come up to me at random camps and stuff who want, like, want me to sign their Bible. And usually it's maybe because they feel bad because the band's doing a signing or something and I happen to be standing nearby. I don't know why they asked me, but I'm like, I'm not one of the authors because usually authors sign books. Like which one? is the book of Nate. There isn't one, right? So I'm like, I am not going to sign your Bible, but I will write a quote in it. And that's not even from me. So I won't even sign the quote, but it's, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And whenever I find, I wish I knew who quoted it originally, but I will not take credit for it, even though I probably use it more than they do. Um, Whenever we find ourselves tripped up and falling into sin, this is the first thing to go back on the shelf because we don't like the light that it's shining into the corners of our heart where the Holy Spirit isn't saying clean that up. He's saying, can I clean that up for you? We're like, not yet, I'm using that. My kids, when they were little, my teenagers, I'd be like, all right, you need to clean up your room. I'm playing with it. You're playing with that stuff and this stuff, and that stuff. Luke, the Barbies that Leia left in here the other day, you're playing with those, with your Ninja Turtles, and the Hot Wheels. Really, all of that. Was it Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? You know, and they're like, I mean, like it's some ancient horror movie or something. And they, they, they just didn't want to clean it up. And so all of a sudden, he would shift from what he was doing to the other to just guard the mess, and let me know that he would do anything to rotate around this mess and not clean it up. I said, well, let me help you. Let's, let's, let's get the bins. No, I don't want to clean up. And that's how we are with our life. Like we'll be like, ah, I'm kind of holding on to that right now. And the Holy Spirit's like, if we walk in the spirit, the regular maintenance just happens. And there's not as much to clean up. There's not as much that's getting in the way of our relationship. Sometimes we feel like God's further away during that time. Well, I feel like God's just not talking to me. That's on your end. That's on my end where the communication gets bad. Notice when Jesus had all of the sin put on him, what he said right afterwards. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A few phrases later, he'll say into my hands, I commit your spirit, my spirit. But God wasn't off somewhere like, what? The angels are like, he, he's ready to come home now. Like He's ready for you to get him off the cross. Like What, what, what are you talking about? Like, I can't hear him. We have completely rifted in the Trinity. That's not what he's talking about. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Experiencing the wrath of God, but also experiencing what it's like to be 100% human at the same time. He felt distant from God the same way we do when we have sin because he became sin for us who never knew sin before that you might become the righteousness of God. He's experiencing the same thing. That's how we feel. And we've got to run to him rather than run from him. His arms are open, not pushing us away. So if you're a believer and you find yourself getting caught up in sin, he's saying, walk in the spirit. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If I'm walking with God, I don't have to like, if I feel a prompting from the Holy spirit to do something kind for somebody, I don't have to be like, can I do that? Kindness. I'm not under, I don't have to figure out, Oh, this is right. You're, you're walking in the spirit. You're in the, the sword of the spirit here. You're just going to follow what he's telling you to do. And if it doesn't conflict with scripture, you just keep moving forward and moving forward. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. Some translations say the works of the flesh are obvious. We're not saved by works. But This is saying that, that, that it's a work. When you're a Christian, it's a work to sin. It's something you're, Consciously doing and consciously involving yourself in. And the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about losing what he has given you. He's talking about a pattern of this. And if somebody's living in a habitual lifestyle, like this is their constant thing of sin, they have no conviction for the Holy Spirit pulling them back, then we have to ask ourselves, am I really in Christ? But the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the Spirit. If you're like, I just need to work on self-control. No, you don't. You need to walk in the Spirit. Fruit grows. It just grows. Like, The spirit is doing this in you. He's cultivating this in you. It's not a work that we have to do. And it's also not nine different fruits. It's singular in the English and in the Greek. That nine fruits alive book we read to my kids when they were younger, just so that they could memorize the different aspects of the one fruit was kind of cool. But it's all aspects of one fruit. It's not like the banana is love. The papaya is joy. You know, no, that's not how it is. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there's no law. It's not like, ooh, you better watch the kindness meter. It's up a little too high. No, there's no law against doing these things. And these are fruits, not gifts of the spirit. They're not like, well, I don't have that one. It's one fruit with nine aspects. And if you have the spirit, you have it. Now, whether our flesh is in contradiction with the spirit and trying to get us to not be patient and not have self-control and we're giving into the fleshly side, the fruit is there, but we are choosing not to indulge in the fruit. We're ignoring the good trees of the garden and going for that one that we're not supposed to because we're not walking in the spirit. So he has changed you and he has rearranged the pieces in your life if you've given your life to Christ for a specific purpose. Those, verse 24, who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live in the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now that last part that he throws in there about not being conceited and provoking and envying each other, it means just because I used to be down there and God has lifted me up and forgive me and I'm up here, that I look down on people who are still in the same position. That my heart should be for them what God's heart was for me. To rescue me from where I was and to make me new. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest questions I get from teenagers is we have conversations. A lot of them have to do with end time stuff. And they want to know, like, when Jesus going to return? Or this happened? Or my pastor said this? Or my parents said this? Or this? Or this? Or this? Or this? The disciples were the same. They're like, Jesus, when is this going to happen? Like, when's the temple going to be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming? And when is the end of the world? Just simple questions we had for you, Jesus, as we walk along. And Jesus goes through a whole bunch of stuff, talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and diverse places, but he's very clear this is not the end when it happens because they're probably leaning in each time like, oh, really? Hmm. I'll pay attention to the Jerusalem Herald for that one. Then he finally says, listen, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. Like when you're ever wondering, we don't get the day or the hour, we do get pretty significant clue when we finish the task of telling everyone. When people are drawn to Christ because of our love for each other. When the Holy Spirit starts to pull them because they have seen and heard his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God, but how will they hear unless somebody goes and how will they go unless someone is sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. In the armor of God, the preparation of the gospel of, the, of peace is the footwear. Because we're not supposed to, it's not, it's not a rump protector to sit on it. If there's a rump protector, I don't know if there is. There's little donut things Some people have hemorrhoids, you know, those things. He didn't give us one of those. He's like, yeah, you've got good news. Sit on it and protect it like a mother hen to an egg. No, it's the footwear to get out and to tell people. If God has transformed your life or he's doing a work in you and you're growing from where you were before, don't just be like, well, this is a beautiful thing we keep within our youth group. And I'm not saying to go find every stranger on the street and try to have an awkward conversation because you're like, I bet Nate could do that. He's an extrovert. It's awkward for anybody, all right? God has already placed you around some people I'm never gonna meet that you would probably say you cared about. If they've invited you to their birthday party over the past couple of years or you've invited them to theirs, they're on that list, right? Why can't we just have a conversation about what we're passionate about? They will. They'll tell you about their favorite football team. They'll tell you about that show that they've binge watched on Netflix. They'll tell you about Taylor Swift or whatever they love. Tell them about who you love and what he's done for you. Let me pray for you guys. God, we thank you so much for this weekend, for a chance to focus on you. And Lord, we know that once we have been restored, we have been set free. Lord, help us to find those that can be freedom bound as well. If they just hear the truth, help us to live it out loud in front of them. And God, as Proverbs says, when a man falls down six times, he should get up seven. Help us not to allow any sin that creeps into our life and that we give into. Help it not to leave us on the floor, but to know that we are never beyond your reach, your love, and your forgiveness is never canceled out. That we can walk forward with you until this gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.